welcome to another episode of the Front End Happy Hour podcast. I don't know how many of you are aware of this, but our very own Shirley Wu has written and published a book with her friend Naughty. We are all super excited for her and thought, why not talk about publishing books? That's an interesting subject that I definitely am not familiar with. So in this episode, we've invited Naughty to talk with us and Shirley about their book. Naughty, can you give us a brief introduction of who you are, what you do, and what your favorite happy hour beverage is? Sure, of course. Uh, so my name is Nadie Bremer, and I'm from the Netherlands. I live right outside of Amsterdam. Uh, I used to be an astronomer, then became a data scientist, and then found out that database is even better than that, uh, combining creative with the sort of the hard side of math and coding. Uh, so then I, uh, I then I eventually became a freelancing data visualization designer. Uh, I work. I like to work on um, bigger data sets, uh, data sets that have anything to do with science, especially astronomy. Uh, I seem to gravitate a lot towards network-like data sets, uh, just giving myself a hard time because they're very hard to, to properly visualize. Yeah, so I've been uh, freelancing for the last four-ish years, although I've now stopped freelancing for half a year because I've become a student at the Fab Academy, which is a um, worldwide kind of globally distributed course led by MIT, in which you make you learn to make almost anything in, in 20 weeks. That goes from um, 3D printing, laser cutting, CNC milling, designing and creating your own uh, electronics, uh, working with sensors, programming, all the shebang. And uh, so this is what I'm doing right now. I have no other life left at this point because it sucks up every, <laughs> every minute I have, but it's a lot of fun. That sounds like uh, a lot and, of fun. Uh, like, I want to go join that. That sounds super <laughs> cool. And uh, uh, my favorite happy hour beverage would be generally something with Malibu or Currentetres or generally I am the kind of person that knows so little about it that I just ask the waiter, give me the sweetest thing you have on the menu. <laughs> I like that. That's an easy way to order though. And, yeah. and you probably get a like a mix of different drinks. Yes. Yes. Some cocktail at least. <laughs> Very good. All right. Uh, well, we'll go around and introduce, basically introduce Shirley and myself. Shirley, you want to start it off? Yeah. Hi, my name is Shirley Wu. I'm an independent creator of data visualizations. And I'm Ryan Burgess. I'm a software engineering manager at Netflix. In each episode of the Front End Happier podcast, we like to choose a keyword that if it's mentioned at all in the episode, we will all take a drink. And what did we decide for our book writing episode? Draft. Draft. All right. Cheers. So if we say the word draft, which I'm pretty sure this is going to come up at some point in time, I'm sure you didn't write just write production book ready. I'm sure there was multiple drafts. So um, it'll, it'll be a good one that will come up. I figured a good way to start is how did you both come to decide to write a book? What what got that started? It was you're were, you were doing it for the money, right? You're like, whoa, we're oh, going to yeah, make so yeah, much yeah. money. We're going to be published authors making so much money. I <laughs> so don't have to work a day in my life anymore. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> Nadi, you want to take that? Yeah, sure. Um, so data sketches is uh, the book data sketches is based right, on the We should start there. Sketches. What is the book too, right? Like that's, that's important. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so data sketches uh, started out as a um, year-long, 12-month um, 
sort of installment of Shirley and I working, sort of collaborating and creating data visualizations. And we had picked one topic for each of the months that we wanted to do, so 12 different topics. And then from that point onward, we would both create our own visualizations based, you know, having that topic as a seed, which could be anything from Olympics to music to books, nostalgia, fearless. Uh, so it was very, very wide range of, of topics. Uh, and the collaboration part really was in the fact that we were, you know, discussing it a lot, chatting, having calls and sending each other our sort of screenshots, our thoughts, and then being sort of the very immediate sounding board uh, for, for each other. So that was where the collaboration came in and not necessarily on the coding, we coded separately. Um, and we also published extensive write-ups of how we created each of our projects. That was just a side thought at the at the start. It's like, hey, let's make more projects uh, because we felt like we hadn't made enough projects in the like in the year before. And uh, uh, and at that point, we felt like maybe this will be a good way that we will sort of uh, uh, make ourselves make more projects. And then, oh wait, let's do the let's write write about it as well. But then it became actually the most sort of useful thing to uh, to other people having these write-ups where we start from basically scratch from an idea and then to the data sketching it out and then actually programming it all the way to the end um, and that those write-ups were first online and now we've bundled them up into uh, into a book and where of course we wrote so many other things around it we completely revamped revamped everything uh, but maybe i shouldn't be telling this all of all of this but anyway <laughs> how it turned into how the project turned into a book was actually when um we sort of we launched our project when we had completed two months sort of internally secretly back um, in 2016 and... back way <laughs> back in 2016 oh. yes. so we were i so mean young. i i hear it's a lot of work it doesn't just happen <laughs> overnight we were so young <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes uh, and and um, uh, thankfully, it was kind of you know picked up by by people and they liked it. And then um, Alberto Cairo, who is sort of a, a database guru, I guess you can say these days, he was in a in a, um, a video chat with uh, with Simon Rogers, and they were just talking about things. And then data sketches came up, and he said, "Well, I would really like to have data sketches be a coffee table book that I could you know have on my have in my house." And then Shirley had this sort of bling moment in that point maybe you should take over now that's that's all it takes uh to convince 26 year old Shirley to write a book when <laughs> when I mean Alberto Cairo uh was and still is a very big figure in the data visualization community um he's written a lot of different books about data visualization but yeah that's apparently all it takes uh for Alberto Cairo to mention that our project should be a book and we're like okay I guess it's gonna be a book and we were like well I was like Nadi at least we have we will have at least one sale. <laughs> we have at least one buyer. And literally that's it. I was like, Nadia, let's do it. And she's like, mm, that's a lot of work. And I was like, well, um, how about we go about and we try to find a publisher. Um, and if there's any publisher that's interested, then like, you know, we can make a decision from there. And if not, then like, at least we gave it a try. I'm, I'm like sure. a huge believer of like, you know, if there's something that you're interested in, then like give it a try and at least then you wouldn't regret it. Um, and so we started reaching out to publishers. I think this was like early 2017. Turned out that at least in early 2017, um, a lot of publishers were either like academic textbook publishers, like, you know, the O'Reilly's and the, um, and, uh, and either and and or they were kind of like trade publishers. So like you might think of like the 
Chronicles and the I like how I only have one publisher name for each of these examples. <laughs> They're good examples. You don't need to go in a laundry list of them. I, I mean, it makes sense. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, and so we we wanted to do something that was kind of a hybrid that was because we have so many projects with like these that are like so heavy in imagery. We wanted to have something that was like halfway between like a beautiful, big, beautiful coffee table book, which is what like a lot of trade publishers are known for. And but then like side by side with like very technical write ups, because that's that's kind of like what we found people really liking about our projects was being like Nadi said, being able to see the behind the scenes look, the thought process that went into like creating full data visualizations from scratch. Um, And so we wanted to like have that very technical write up side by side with those big, beautiful imagery. And the technical write up part is like very much in the domain of academic publishers. But we found in 2017 that there wasn't, we couldn't get in touch with any publishers that wanted to do both. And that was a very, very interesting, um, very interesting lesson of even trying to get in contact with a publisher was really hard. Of It felt like another one of those, like, you, you need the network, like, you need to know somebody on the inside to be able to, like, pitch them your book. So I don't think we even got to pitch that many different publishers, right, Nadi? No, maybe two or three that were willing to listen at least to the start. Of her. Yeah, and those we got from like intros from friends that introduced us to their editors or like yeah. introduced us to somebody they knew on the inside. So I don't know about, you know, trying to write for O'Reilly or trying to write for, I think we actually talked to O'Reilly. We talked to O'Reilly, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But um, that, was, that was not going to happen with the coffee table part full color no they were very much at least in 2017 they really didn't want to do that yeah I guess um since we are trying to keep this episode more generally about writing a book I guess um the very first step is pitching a book is already pretty hard and and the biggest way to guarantee success is like being able to be referred by someone and even then Mm -hmm. it's really hard that was going to be one of my questions was as you were talking I'm like is it just that easy to go find a publisher? It sounds like that's a good way to start though. Why write the book and then hope that you're going to get published because then that's a lot of work and effort. But yeah, it it sounds like you should somehow figure out how you're connected to go talk to these publishers. It's not like you can just submit a proposal that easily. Yeah. And I think the bigger publishers actually have a portal where you could submit a proposal. And I think there's, um, we actually at one point got our hands on like a guideline for like a proposal of like, um, I think we didn't have to provide any chapters, but we had to provide like, you know, uh, summary and who we are, who our intended audiences are, um, you know, how we would market. The competitors, like what books are out there that would be comparable. Yeah, you're right. And then, um, and and also what our audience reach was. We had to write down like our Twitter follower numbers ah, and stuff. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah like, so I'm I, social media famous. You know, it's it's cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought that was really weird, but I mean, it makes sense because um, we'll probably cover this further down the line. But um, we have to do a lot of our own promotions. We'll cover that Ooh. further down the line. You don't have to have a chapter ready, but definitely like one of those proposals. Um, ready to send to the publishers is probably very helpful and we just wrote one and we just like sent it to all of the publishers after. for sure like yeah. why why reinvent the wheel is i'm sure they're looking for the similar information it, it reminded me of a conference right like when you're submitting oh, yeah. a talk i mean sometimes you may have the talk ready and done 
but oftentimes it's more like, here's the idea, here's the intended audience. And that kind of resonated with me where it seemed like very similar, Mm -hmm. except I don't think I've ever had to explain how I'm going to market it or (laughs) my followers on Twitter. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, you do sometimes have to say like, what is the audience going to learn? And then with some of my talks, I'm like, I just hope they get inspired. <laughs> Absolutely. When I say about talks, I'm like, you, cause you're, you're putting your own spin on it, right? Like you're, mm-hmm. you're telling a story or you're like, there's probably someone else who's talked about that subject. It's not a brand mm-hmm. new subject, but mm-hmm. you're putting your spin on it. And I always just want someone to walk away, like inspired or walk away yeah. with one little piece of information. I don't expect the whole 30 minutes or an hour talk to be like, Whoa, I learned so many things. <laughs> yeah, Exactly. yeah exactly like I mean maybe there's speakers out there that can do that but I'm like yeah it's it's hard this topic's been covered many times so yeah you've got the publisher which sounds awesome I mean only talking to three you said that was it so we actually I think talking after talking to three or four we were like okay I guess this is not in our cards like I, I guess like you know earlier I was like Nadia let's give it a try and if it doesn't work out it doesn't work out so we actually were like nearing giving up and then what happened was like, I just happened to have dinner with um, Tamara Munzner, who is um, a professor in Vancouver in uh, data visualization. And uh, she she is now the editor of a series of, uh, it's called the AK Peters Data Visualization Series, I think. And so we were having dinner. And at the end of the dinner, she was like, she got ready to like pitch me about having, like writing a book. And then like, Little did she know, we have been trying to like find a publisher. And so it was kind of like that, like fortuitous moment where everything really aligned. And um, and then she like pitched, she like sold us hard. She championed us hard to her, her yeah. publisher. And she like championed us exactly the way, with exactly the book we had in mind of like half, half coffee table, half textbook. And that's actually how I think in like late August, um, we started talking to her publisher and that all worked smoothly because she was championing, like because her as the editor of the series championed us so hard, we were able to successfully sign the contract, the book co- deal contract in, I think, April 2018. Yeah. So nice. it took about a year of searching to like finalize the contract with the publisher. Wow. I, I mean, I love that approach, though, too, that you both were like, I mean, we'll throw the idea out there. If it's meant to be, it's meant to be. If it's not, I mean, no one will pick it up. And, you know, we just go about, like, we tried, right? I, yeah, I love exactly. that approach. Yeah. So you have the publisher. That's that's exciting. What does is, what is the process look like? like <laughs> I don't even know how you start. Like, I love that you, like, framed it. Here's the idea. Now someone's like, yeah, this sounds like a great idea. Now go create it. How do you yeah. even start? <laughs> Well, in that sense, we were kind of lucky in the fact that we already had these uh, write-ups on our website for each of the uh, for each of the projects that we'd done. And at that point, um, they weren't all done because it took us a little bit longer than a year to finish <laughs> all 24 projects. Um, but uh, they were there, so that was really the basis of each of the chapters. So uh, it was more of a okay, we have our this sort of roughly written uh, thing on online. Let's take all of that, you know, offline and make it better because this is just sort of, um, how do you say that, train of thought kind of in the moment yep. typing, nobody cares about quality, blah, blah, blah. I mean, now we really need to make it into something. So that was, 
it was instead of having to start with a blank slate, it was so nice to start with a hastily written, sometimes really longly written. I'm I'm a scientist by heart, by trade, so I write long. Um, uh, but at least have that as a base uh, to uh, to go from, and then also going back through our for each of the projects, we have lots of sort of. Uh, uh, screenshots that we could use and see oh right that's what i did there maybe i can elaborate a little bit in uh, for for the book right now uh so that was because that's like 90 percent of our book and then the intro we played around with that a little bit more like what do we want to have in the intro like maybe in about data sketches how we got started who we are um and then from uh, another book that at least I, I really like, I th I'm not quite sure if Shirley has it, it's called Generative Design. Mm -hmm. um, they um, they have a how to read this book, which we really like because we also have these different elements. We have lessons, technical lessons, and, and, um, and there's some general chapters in the final, like the final screenshot section. So we want to have that. And then from another one of our favorite books called In Progress by Jessica Heesh. Heesh? I hope you, yes. Uh, she has a tool section at the start, which explains exactly which pens she uses. And we thought, well, we should have a tools and technology section at the start as well. Uh, that explains our sort of tools, which are mostly sort of uh, uh, software based things, although there's an iPad in there as well uh, with a pen. And um, that's kind of how it, how it grew. And then for the there was, at some point, there was an outro, which at the start is called the after. Oh, no, you don't the need to get into this. <laughs> <laughs> that it was uh, that's kind of how how it, how it started uh with, with yes. that um yeah yeah so i think it's that uh our our process is probably pretty different from a lot of other people's process but i think the similarities is probably that we started with um we started with one kind of like keeping inventory of um, what all of our content was. So all of our 24 chapters. And then like Nadi said, then we kind of figured, fleshed out the all of the surrounding things, the intro and outro. And actually, uh, even before we did all of that, Nadi, we, we came up with a chapter design um, because yeah. for us, for because our book was so um, design oriented and has so many like large images and things. And like, we also had, like Nadi mentioned earlier, all of those different elements of different lessons and different call outs and gutter notes. Um, we actually started off uh, as soon as we signed the contract, we actually, um, we actually sat down and signed the whole chapter together. And so that's something that's probably kind of unique to like, I don't think as many like technical books will have this probably, um, both the content and the design was the very first things that we did as soon as we signed the contract. That's really cool. Um, basically, blog posts were your first draft. Yeah. Cheers. Ooh, <laughs> cheers. Okay, that's really cool. I like that. Um, and you're right. Most people would probably go pen to paper or like starting to to throw ideas back and forth. But I love that it, it, it kind of was out there already and you would have been able to see that. But I also love that you're tightening it up because mm -hmm. yeah, a blog post is great. If uh, you <laughs> spelt something wrong or said something a little wrong, you can edit that like on the fly. But when it's in a book printed, the bar is so much higher. There's no, there's yeah. no going back. And yeah. it's also the fact that blog posts generally, at least what we do, it was, it's all free, you know, free on the web. And you want to make certain that if people want to uh, spend the money to get the book, that it's really worth it. And that you've really put in that effort to make it a plus. That's really cool. So you you both have highlighted 
clearly there's the two of you writing this book and then there's publishers who else is involved there there mm. must be people editing or looking at those drafts oh, cheers <laughs> cheers <laughs> maybe the better question is who is not involved <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome you know what i'll make that easy i was not involved in your book sure <laughs> for which we are very sad about Ryan. Um, but actually, I think if we kind of categorize the bookmaking process into two big phases, the first being kind of like when we're, it's very interesting because I, I kind of think of this as um, when we get paid our adva- like our advances. So like when we sign the contract, we get paid in advance. And then when we turn in the manuscripts, we get paid in advance. And I think of it as like the first part is that like, really it's like so free that it's problematic of like where it's um that first phase is all about writing and delivering that manuscript and that's what Nadia described earlier of like when we went and figured out all of the layouts and figured out all of the content um that is that first phase of figuring out what should be in our manuscript like what should be in our deliverable and in that phase uh nobody was involved <laughs> It was just me and Nadi just like spinning in circles, trying to figure out what would be the best thing for our, um, our draft. Um, Ooh, cheers. Cheers. And then um, the second phase is when that manuscript gets delivered and that's when the publisher takes it over and they turn it into like, they lay out everything. Like they, they take the Google docs that we gave them and the images, the screenshot images that we gave them in a folder and they lay out the book. And then, um, and then there's a whole big process there where the publisher is very involved, but maybe we can just like talk about this first phase a little bit more, which is one of the things I was very surprised about is I don't know about, I think for a lot of publishers, they don't actually do any editing other than like cop like other than this is I don't I feel like this was a really big surprise for us Nadi right like they only do editing in the sense of like they check that you know periods are put in the right places yeah. that things are like capitalized in the right places um we thought we were gonna get like um editing support for the content and we didn't mm-hmm. um and so nope. yeah so we hired it ourselves <laughs> Wow. Yeah. I I honestly would have, I definitely thought that that was part of it. Like, so you, you got full creative control. Like that was on you, on both of you. Yeah. In in terms of right, the writing. Yes, definitely. I I mean, when we signed the contract, that was definitely discussed what our ideas was. And even uh, also, we also involved a a lawyer during the contract phase because it was so new to us that we wanted to have have help in that section. So that was the first person that sort of got involved Mm -hmm. uh, besides the publisher. Yeah, and then a long time of nothing where we could write really, yeah, basically anything. The the only thing where they were kind of uh, hounding us a little bit was uh, image uh, permissions. Oh, and image sure permissions, that yeah. We, that we weren't including any images that had content that could be included yeah. or at least to have uh, a really, re- they were very strict on what was, most was not allowed and basically or had to be blurred out or just removed or uh, so that was, that was a part, but the writing, I feel like we could have written almost anything. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what the copy editor would have done with that. Uh, uh, but um, it was, uh, yes, I think I think at some point I had a gutter note that said something like, damn, I don't want to do this again. And I think she took out the damn. 
And that, that was about it. I think I put it back in. I mean, Wait. I like the creative control. I mean, that that's like, that's great. But I also think that first process is probably so difficult because you're managing your time and yeah. your deliverable yeah. is literally like, just send us the manuscript, which that's a lot of work to get to. So it probably oh, took yes. a lot of, you know, a little bit on both of you holding each other accountable. Definitely. I'm uh, mostly Nadi holding me accountable. Um, Cause Nadi is like, she is very on top of her things. And I think that that might be something that's really surprising for like first time authors of, um, I think if I were to like, you know, through this episode, be like, these are the things to like, keep an eye out for. Um, one thing is like the deadline. Um, it's a soft deadline. Like the publisher, uh, most publishers will be like, yeah, like as long as you hand it to us someday, like, you know, it's fine. Um, and so you have to be really self-motivated. And the second thing is like, um, you have to make sure yourself that it's edited well, because they won't check for like, surprisingly, I, it's not just with our publisher. We, we actually have heard it from like other authors that have gone with, um, and gotten their book published is, um, they will just publish what you write. So if you right. have bad grammar, <laughs> if you have like code that's wrong, like code snippets that are wrong. I had heard one horror story with where um, one author was telling me that um, for his first very first book, he has like such a low rating because he thought that the publisher will take care of like making sure that the code runs correctly and making sure that like everything was edited correctly. And they didn't, they just like printed his manuscript as it was turned in. So then um, he just, Which his was, book just has all these bad ratings. So that, that'd be the second, like, whatever you write is what they'll publish. Yes. I mean, if you, you think you're handing in a draft, cheers, cheers but cheers. it's actually your, it's, it's really the final. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's a lot of pressure just there. I'm like, I had anxiety. I'm like, yeah, like, because <laughs> I mean, we make mistakes in code all the time. And it's like, usually the beauty of things like on the web or even software in general is usually you can patch it yeah that's not really possible it's just it's hard to do yeah Yeah. and you need to arrange that yourself so if you want to have um technical readers in case you write a highly technical book i think we select very shortly discussed that with our publisher it's like you need to reach out to them yourself and even in the end Shirley was, uh, I'm really happy that she did that, but we were very close to the deadline. She was like, we need to have each chapter read by at least two of our friends to make sure that we don't, like nothing is, is weird in there that we really need to fix. So this was something we did in the last three weeks before our, I don't know, like seventh shifted deadline that we <laughs> yeah, really wanted nice to game. get to. Uh, uh, and we, so we did that. We, we, uh, we reached out to like 24, 30 people friends and people that we knew and we asked them can you can you please do us a favor read this one chapter and tell us if anything is is we need to fix just as a as a final like you don't need to do spelling stuff it's just is this okay or do Mm -hmm. i need to do we need to change stuff so that's also something we had to arrange ourselves yeah the stress and anxiety of a one-star review was real (laughs) i believe that i mean as much as it's cool to say i have a book published you don't want it to be like you want people to enjoy it right like that's the whole point is you want people to actually take away something that's same as what we were talking about in giving a conference talk. It's like, you want someone to take away some inspiration or be excited not to go, wow, this was a waste of my time reading this. Like, that, that's not fun. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'd be curious too, is like, when I think of, you know, writing a book, I mean, you could likely just 
go write a book and publish it yourself, but you all went with a publisher. What's, do you know much of the difference or did you all talk about that? Like, what are some of the pros and cons between publishing or, or like going with a publisher or self-publishing? We definitely looked into self-publishing, but I think Shirley looked into it much, even more than I did. So I think she's, she's much more qualified. So I guess for self-publishing, um, the first part, that first phase uh, of like writing the a manuscript or like writing the draft to cheers, is pretty much the same between like publisher and self-publishing, right? Um, But that second phase is like where it's so important because with our publisher, what happened was they provided a vendor that laid out our book that uh, did the cover. We unfortunately weren't the biggest fan of either of those. So then we actually went and hired my studio mate and friend Alice for the cover, Alice Lee for the cover. And then we actually hired a design firm called Praline in... UK to do the inside but traditionally um, the publisher will do the cover and they'll do the uh, design layout of the inside Um, and then once that's ready they will like hand it off to the printers and they'll take care of the distribution at the same time they also have salespeople going around depending on the size of your publisher um, they'll have like all of those salespeople will have connections at like you know either like major book retailers so I think the biggest difference between the self-publishing and the publisher is their connections as distributors, their their sales connections. Because I think as a self-publisher, it would be really hard for us to, for example, get our book on the bookshelves of, I don't know, Barnes and Nobles or what is, is that the only like bookstore chain left in America? I mean, I think there's smaller book uh, stores, yeah, but yeah, so I don't know about a big one. I am that's I'm, one of the biggest. Yeah, like I, I'm a fan of indie bookstores, but I was trying to think of like a big bookstore chain. But yeah, so they'll, they'll um, because it's it's really hard to get your book into a bookstore. And for ours, uh, for our uh, publisher, they're an academic publisher. So then um, they would have salespeople that would try and get our book into the university bookstores, etc. Um, I would say that's probably the biggest difference uh, between self-publishing and a publisher. Other than that, I think self-publishing, obviously you have a lot more control. You get to pick like who does your editing, who does your design, who does your layout, who's your printer, who's your distributor, etc. And I've heard that these days it's really easy to just like distribute your book on Amazon. Um, But for us, we decided to kind of like keep to our publisher because we realized we did not know what we did not know about publishing. And so we thought that for our very first book, it would be better to work with a publisher, learn from them, like what the process is so that if, if there's ever a second book, we could consider self-publishing and we would be the wiser for it. I like that. And you know, I'm always a fan too, is, I mean, it's like even why we get hired, right? You hire people who know what they're doing. And even to that point, these people have learned how to do it. They've done it time and time again, and hopefully will prevent you from making mistakes. Like if you did it on your own, you were going to make mistakes because you're just learning as you Mm go versus like, someone who's done it before hopefully can say like I've learned all these mistakes and now I'm going to prevent you from making those same mistakes well I love that I think that that's a huge benefit is being able to learn from others yeah definitely 
And I think I'm really grateful for the distribution channel because I think we have like people from all over the world that are like able to order the book of like, I see people from like, you know, Singapore ordering. I see people from like Brazil ordering, from like India ordering, like places that I don't think if we had self-published, I think it would have been a logistical nightmare for us to figure out how to get our book to them. And actually this exposes the fact that we didn't even know we had people that wanted our book in those places. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think it's, it's interesting that we did actually we did a lot ourselves on this book yeah. we i mean the writing of course uh but also hiring the editors uh we we hired the uh, person to do the front cover and eventually even though um first the inside design was done by the publisher or through through a company from the publisher when we didn't like them enough uh we looked up for our own company and then we like a, we were in direct contact with the with the new design agency that we chose, and we with with them we went through our um, sort of our actual design phase. So we did basically like all of that stuff <laughs> yeah. until handing in that final um, the final documents to the printer basically. So the publisher really only did the the printing and the um, the distribution, but that both of those things, I mean they. They helped us a lot out. I mean, that's that's too too generalizing, but I mean, just that part of the printing and publishing, I think, is is already valuable enough because we didn't really realize this, but they happen to be a giant publisher. Like the mother company is uh, a big big publisher, and and yeah, and suddenly we can be our book can be found in all over the world, even even small smaller like national bookstores uh, have them, and that we yeah we could have never done that. Yeah, and. And I think we're highlighting this because I think up until the distribution part, we were really jaded about the publishing industry. We're like, why are we doing like all of the work? Like literally the second phase where the publisher is supposed to do it. We were so picky about the design that we ended up taking it upon ourselves like obviously not everybody has to do this I think a lot of people are like they're fine with the way that their publisher lays out their book but we were so picky about our own design that we were like we needed to take uh, full control of everything and so up until the point where we handed in our like this is in our phase two, when we handed in the final print files to the printer, we were like, why, why did we even go with the publisher? And then as soon as we started getting like tweets from people that like bought from all around the world, we were like, okay, so this is, this is what makes it worth it. So I think that's like up to everybody and their own journey of figuring out like if they want to go with the publisher or self-publish, but um, know that if you go with the publisher, you're probably doing 90% of the work. Even now, like our promotions, we're doing like we are doing a lot of self-promotion, but that distribution network, um, if you go with a good publisher, is really worth the ginormous royalty cut that they take from you. Because <laughs> you're not, you're not going to make much money. <laughs> no. Yeah, no. And I mean, I think I alluded to that even at the start of the episode that, yeah, we, we know that that's not super lucrative because you are taking, you know, people are taking a cut. You know, you also said about when they were evaluating in the pitch part of it, needing to promote and how are you going to promote and market this? How much are you held accountable to that now? Right. Or is it just more like you're going to do better if you sell more and then you get more royalties? Like, is there a amount that you have to promote? No, no. I think, I don't know for sure if they would have called us out on anything because both of us really wanted this book to to be a success so we were definitely driven to give it our all and 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 promote it so there was not a a moment where i felt that publisher felt like we weren't doing 
uh, enough, but they never called us out on having to do anything. They did come with a lot of tips, like maybe you can do this, or maybe you can have a book event. Of course, then the pandemic came and things changed. Um, uh, but but still, I never felt pressured into or held accountable for things we said in our uh, initial sort of pitch draft. I'm not saying that that would be the case for all publishers. I do have to admit that we had like there's one editor that came um, on during the second half, but that that half was really the the part where we were in, in direct lots of contact with our editor. And he has been the most amazing helper mm. ever, um, even though we might be saying that a publisher as, as, a, as a whole, like you did a lot and the publisher did less. But he he as that one person did so much um, okay. to help us out, even in like in the smaller things. Yes, the editor representing our publisher. Sorry, because we did have independent yes. editors also in the first phase. Um, sorry. Yeah, yes, definitely. And I think that uh, I think because our publisher is bigger, if you think about it um, from a publisher's perspective, if one of their books like flops, like that's not a big loss to them, right? But like as an author, if one of our, like if our first book flops, like that reflects really poorly on that. So it's like, it's very much, I think it's very much like a self-motivated, like we like we are motivated to promote our own book because yeah. um, for a publisher, like most people don't even know who publishes what book. So then, <laughs> you know, if they, like, I think they're doing a really great job on the sales point and perspective, but um, I think the promotions in this day and age with social media, m most if not all publishers expect you to self-promote. I think partially they are driven by that when they sign a contract i think they they do consider the potential audience and reach of an author when when they initially sign a contract oh it's really cool and i'm, I'm curious now that uh, the book is out and going you're promoting it when's book number two coming out are you are you both <laughs> excited to do a second book or is it like mm, not right now not way too early <laughs> We're not even we're not even like fully out of the gate with this book in terms of having to do the marketing and having doing the social media stuff. <laughs> so that's I fair. Need, I need like a lot. I need a break. That's a, that's at least as long as it took to get this book. Which is four, four years. Yeah. Um, which I think it was really funny because we had gotten a question during our launch event of um, what was your favorite part of <laughs> making this book, and both of us looked at each other and we were like none none of this <laughs> process was our favorite um but i think uh i think what has been really getting great is i think getting the book being able to hold it like in our hands like being able to see this like physical wow. artifact it's really awesome and then i think then the following is like getting all of these responses from people like i've i've gotten like you know friends that like don't even really know what I do like telling me that this book is really cool I've had like ex-clients buy it which is super cool, so cool. um That's and cool. like and they're like oh I'm reading it I love this chapter or like and just all of the people online that are buying it and like like sending us pictures and how they're like incorporating it into their morning routines I think that's what makes it all really worth it and none of the actual book making part <laughs> so I think I think I'm gonna ride the the wave of this book for <laughs> a few years before I feel ready to write <laughs> a second one yeah that's great you know before we jump into picks I would be curious too 
if you were to leave one piece of advice for someone who's <laughs> listening, being like, you know what I should do? Write a book. What's your one piece of advice? When everybody tells you that it's going to be really hard and you're like, yeah, 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 I know it's going to be really hard. And when everybody tells you that it's going to be really hard and you're not going to be making that much money and you're like, yeah, 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 I understand. H however much you think it's going to be hard depend like because of what everybody else has told you, just multiply that by a hundred. And that's about how hard it is. <laughs> so I think go into it, not thinking too hard about it. Like, don't, don't think too hard about how hard it is, but be prepared for how hard it is. <laughs> it's, it's a yeah. lot of work. It, it was, it was a lot of work. I don't know how I was going to do it by myself. I'm glad Nadi was there. Yeah, for me too. It was, it's just so nice that to have that other person and you can say like, surely is, is this normal? Am I, are we, no, it's like, this is not okay. Right. Or this is okay. Or this is what you expect. Or if you think that maybe we should get a different cover maybe yeah uh, those things to have that person and I think that I guess uh to that point I think a lot of us are very technical and maybe we don't have as much of like a business background but I think throughout this whole process um I think the business negotiate the negotiations of not only the contract but like fighting for what you want out of the book was really important just because I think uh publishers not all publishers have your book's best interests at heart. We were lucky that our editor was really great um, and had our book's best interests at heart, but you really have to fight for your own book. And a lot of that comes with like um, negotiating for what you want. And mm -hmm. so I think if you don't feel comfortable with the negotiations part yourself, I think investing in a lawyer is, is a good, yeah, good money spend. That makes sense. Um, I think it's always good. That goes back to having the experts help you, right? Yeah. It's always good. All right. Well, in each episode of the Front End Happier podcast, we like to choose picks of things that we found interesting. It could be books, TV shows, music, whatever it is. And we like to share it with you all and hopefully you find it interesting. Shirley, what do you have to share this episode? Ooh, this is very uh, self-promoting, but um, I actually chose uh, the Data Sketches book launch. <laughs> Nice. That's our very first pick. <laughs> I promise. Um, I promise. I don't do too many self promotions in the picks. Um, but this one is from uh, when we launched the book February 9th. It's on YouTube, and uh, it will be linked down below, um, or in the show notes. And uh, it's it was really fun. Um, where Nadia and I just kind of talked about. Um, uh, talked about the book and we brought on both Alberto and Tamara who we mentioned earlier that were like very integral to making the book and then um, it's just a fun celebration so if you are interested in our book um, I know we covered a lot of the bookmaking process but if you're interested in actually the contents of the book um, please check out our book launch live stream that's the first one and the second one is um, I have this band named Lullatone like lullaby and tone together. Uh, I am such a fan of their music. It's like very chill, very fun to like um, uh, work to. It's also the music that I use in my Twitch streams because they're such a cool, it's like a husband and uh, wife duo in Japan. They're so chill. And when I like emailed them to like license their music, they were so nice. I'm such a fan. Please check out the music. Awesome. Uh, Nadi, what do you have for picks to share? Uh, I would say maybe, uh, well, I don't want to do another data sketches thing then, but you should check out the datasketch.es website. It's totally uh, 
because you could actually see a sample chapter there and we also have some of our old write-ups there the like the unedited ones the original ones they're still there you can see all of the projects like in their final state in their interactive uh, versions um, uh, but I would say maybe check out the Fab Academy and what that actually is uh, and how uh, it could be a nice thing to just you completely do something totally different and expand your horizons on uh, the things that you know because I think the people listening are and viewing are the kind of people that do a lot with computers and design with computers in different ways from programming to graphics. Uh, and I like how the Fab Academy takes that basis of still being designing on the computer, but then making it a reality, like making it physical and learning how to do that. And I think that's that's at least the reason why I why I was so drawn to it. So maybe uh, other people might want to want to look into that as well if they want to just you know have a, have six months of doing something completely different. Um, <laughs> And my other pick would be that recently I've actually got, gotten really into use, uh, listening to ambient chill when uh, when working. Um, and oh gosh, I forgot the name, but I know that there was uh, this this is a person that I listened to who has sort of made a uh, um, sort of uh, envisioned with the sounds of space, like what it would be like to travel towards a black hole. I think that's a, a full album of ambient ambient noise that I really dig, but I, I need to look that back up again. Right now, I'm just listening to ambient chill on Spotify, <laughs> but it's, it really helps me just instead of having complete silence when I work at home, um, it's just this sort of it's not white noise. I, I like it more than white noise because it's sort of the, the kind of latent melody that's still in there so that was it that's really cool and i have uh two picks and i made sure to have one that's book related the <laughs> first pick though is not it's a documentary series on netflix a biggie documentary uh which is called biggie i got a story to tell it's it just came out recently it's really good um really cool to see some of the behind the scenes like they had old footage that with biggie and it was really cool to see it's a great in-depth of his story i i highly recommend it and then the book choice is everybody matters which is a great book for leaders i guess it's everybody matters the extraordinary power of caring for your people like family and it's a really good book to just like make you think about how how to operate as a leader and thinking about everyone as humans and you know how to interact and I, I think there's some really great insights in that it was a while ago that I read it but I, I figured it was a good one to share before we end the episode I want to thank Naughty thank you so much for joining us and sharing your story the big endeavor uh, that you and Shirley took on where can people get in touch with you well, thank you. Thank you for having me and inviting me. Uh, yes, yeah, so people can find, find me on visualcinnamon.com because my first name is kind of hard to spell. I meant for something a little more easy. Uh, but then again, on Twitter, I am at Nadi Bremer uh, and also on Instagram. And uh, that's N-A-D-I-E-H Bremer. Whatever, you can find it. <laughs> uh, there. Uh, and that's, uh, yeah, that's where, that's where I'm found online. Right on. Well, thank you so much. And you can find us on Twitter at FrontEndHH. You can subscribe to FrontEnd Happy Hour on whatever you like to listen to podcasts on or go to FrontEndHappyHour.com. Any last words? Drafts. Drafts. Cheers. Cheers. Drafts, right? Book number two. No. <laughs> We're so tired. <laughs> <laughs>